What's up everybody? It's March 17th is the day we're recording this, which means March Madness is officially upon us. After missing out last year, I, for one, am extremely excited to root for guys that I probably won't remember in a couple years um, and root for teams where I will not remember what seating they were, but that's the beauty of March Madness. So uh, as always, I'm Andrew George, joined by my co-host, Mike Smith. Mike, you ready for March Madness? Oh, hell yeah, man. I'm totally ready. Um, I mean, I know it's been a few weeks of a hiatus for us, but uh, we've both been busy with school and stuff. But what better time to come back than March? I mean, this is one of the best tournaments in sports. Uh, Literally everyone, even if you're a sports fanatic or not, fills out a bracket and watches these games. So, I mean, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Um, Before we get into this March Madness preview, though, I do have to note, um, we're actually currently testing the video for this podcast right now on this episode so we will not have video for this podcast however stay tuned for a youtube channel that may be popping up here shortly in the near future but uh no with that i mean the way we're going to go about this uh march madness preview basically what we're going to do we're going to go from each region to region andrew and i will discuss the number one teams in each region uh how likely we think they'll get there and then a couple other teams that interest us And then at the very end, we'll give our final four predictions. So it should be a really fun episode. We're going to be talking about some schools that you're probably like, what? And (laughs) yeah, deal with it. Uh, If you don't like it, deal with it. But uh, no, I guess we'll get started with the South bracket here, Andrew. And I'll turn it over to you first. But or excuse me, the West region. Um, And this is the one that has the overall uh, number one seed in Gonzaga, 26-0 on the season. They're the clear favorites to win this tournament. So I'll turn it over to you. What do you got for Gonzaga and then a couple other teams, man, in the West region? Yeah, so I mean, the obvious favorite, um, Zag's undefeated right now. And I mean, the way I look at them is I think it starts with two guys that are going to go in the top 10 to 15 um, of this year's draft. And so I'm pretty invested in the NBA draft. It's one of my favorite days of the year. So seeing how um, kind of different players that I'm going to be talking about throughout um, this turn- tournament right now, how they're going to help their teams. Uh, starting with Jalen Suggs. I mean, Jalen Suggs is going to be a top three, top four pick. Uh, and in my opinion, he's one of the most NBA-ready prospects there are. Plays hard both ways, uh, is one of the leaders on Gonzaga as a freshman. And uh, I think the way he took over against BYU was scary, like scary, scary good. Um, and I think he's we we can we we know what we're gonna get out of him, just like we're gonna know we know what we're gonna get out of Corey Kispert. So I mean, he dropped 32 earlier this year against Virginia on seven dribbles, which is ridiculous. Uh, it's like Clay Thompson esque. Um, average is 19 a game, 54 percent from the field, 44 percent from three. So. Um, you got those two guys, but then you also have Drew Timmy, and he's a guy where um, he could be the best player on a lot of college teams, but he's not because he's on Gonzaga, which isn't a bad thing by any means, but um, I think you have three guys that can take over the game, really, at any moment, uh, and I think they have a lot of unfinished business, too. Uh, they went 31-2, and two, if I'm not mistaken, last year before COVID stopped, um, and they're going to try to be the first undefeated team to win to like to go completely undefeated win it all since indiana in 1976 uh but as we saw in 2015 with that loaded kentucky team it is hard to go undefeated no matter how good you are no matter how odds on favorites you are so um different styles and that's than, than that kentucky team in 2015 but um yeah they're they're definitely the favorite um i have them going far we'll get to our final fours towards the end but that's what i got in gonzaga no, and I mean, they, they, they clearly are the odds-on favorite. Um, like you said, Kentucky entering the tournament undefeated. They didn't make it all the way. Uh, Wichita State a few years ago, some people forget that team. Uh, they got bounced, I think, in the round of 32 or the Sweet 16, so it was fairly mm-hmm. early. So it's definitely a tough task, and I think when there's a target on your back, that makes it even tougher. But uh, no, I mean, and here's the thing. You mentioned a lot of these players. They're just an offensive powerhouse. Like, I don't know any other way to put it. You mentioned Corey Kispert, 19.2 points per game. That is great in college. Uh, Drew Timmy, Timmy, Timmy? He's got 18.7 points per game. Jalen Suggs, you mentioned 14.3 points per game. And then Joel Ayayi with 11.8. So they're an offensive powerhouse that I think like you can't underestimate that potential. If you're going to beat them, 
you're going to have to have your probably your best shooting night of the season. I will say this, though, and while I do believe they are, I'll, I'll say that they're the favorites in the tournament. Um, while their out-of-conference schedule was built tough, and I do respect Mark Few for doing that because he doesn't shy away from those games at the beginning of the seasons, I mean, a couple things with that. One is that those teams are far different than they were then because those games take place in late November and early December. And two, like, Gonzaga kind of rolled through their conference this year. There wasn't even really any challenge going into that conference championship game. So when's the last time they've actually played with some pressure on their backs? And again, the guys they have on that squad are good enough to make a deep run in this tournament, but that would be my single area of concern. However, when you look at their side of the bracket, I'd say compared to some others, it does favor them more than some other one seeds. So in that regard, um, again, we'll get to our predictions later, but I can see them making a deep run in this tournament. Yeah, as far as like competition-wise too and like facing adversity, um, the like the title game against BYU, now I don't know if that's just because BYU is familiar with them. Um, as with like, I mean, the more you see a team in your conference, like obviously the better you're going to play against them. Um, unless you're just terrible, then you're not going to play well. But, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, we'll see if BYU is any good come tournament time. But I don't know. Um, I know I mentioned Jalen Suggs and the way that he just kind of took over that game and offensively what they can do. But um, sticking with Suggs, like, defensively is what I'm most impressed about because a lot of young guards don't go that hard both ways. Um, and when you have that from a young leader on your team and then you've got Kispert, you got Timmy, Timmy, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> but... Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but speaking of their path, I mean, let's talk about who's, we probably both agree their biggest threat, Iowa. I know, I know you're, uh, you were big on Iowa uh, earlier, um, early on. So, yeah. uh, what do you, what do you, what do you have on them? So yeah, they're actually one of those teams on my list that I find interesting. So I think their stock was really high at the beginning of the year because they had a tough out of conference schedule as well. Um, I know they beat North Carolina and they put up like 95 points against them early in the season. They beat a couple other non-conference opponents that were good. Um, their stock kind of fell. It felt like throughout the Big Ten season. Um, and here's the thing with the Big Ten that I'll say too. Like that conference has four or five teams that could make legit runs. Uh, I, I know that anyone can in this tournament, but like ones that you would expect because they're that good. So we knew in the Big Ten like, good teams were going to lose seven or eight games in conference, which in another conference they would not. So I think that was to be expected. Um, I think for Iowa, um, he's not their X factor. He's their best player, but he is their X factor. And that Luke Garza has to show up, I think. Um, They're a good team outside of him, but I think that offense runs through him because when you have him dominating the post and getting 11 boards a game and 20 points per game in the paint, that frees up the shooters because they're a very good shooting team. They're a three-point shooting team. My biggest concern with them come tournament time is going to be their defense. Um, but Iowa is one of those teams that is built for this tournament. I feel mm-hmm. like you have one dominant player and a bunch of shooters, and typically those are the teams that kind of make runs. Uh, there's another team from the Big Ten that I'll mention that's kind of built somewhat similarly too. But um, I I do think they're their biggest threat. If I had to predict it now, I think both of them would play against each other in the Elite Eight, but I won't tell you who will win until we get to the end. Um, But no, I I completely agree with you, Andrew. Iowa is their biggest X factor, and God, if they play each other, that could be a hell of a game. Yeah, you mentioned the three-point shooting. I mean, we've seen what shooting means in March Madness. Uh, I mean, anytime you've got four guys who are shooting like at least 40%, like near forty percent, one of um, I mean that's insane. Uh, like Joe Weiskamp, forty-seven percent, C.J. Frederick, um, forty-nine percent, Jordan Bohannon, thirty-nine uh, percent. So we'll give him the edge with forty. Uh, Luca Garza, forty-one percent. So, um, I don't know with Bohannon and Garza too. Like we're we're watching two of the best like all-time players at their school too. Because like Luca Garza, I mean he's going to be a household name. And to your point about like he's built for the tournament. Uh, like I completely agree because this is a guy who's in his fourth year now. So he's, uh, I'm not going to compare him to Tyler Hansborough completely, but like, cause I think they play differently, but like, he's got that same feel, you know what I mean? Like just a big guy who, um, he's been with the program for a little while and we'll um, probably struggle in the NBA, but yeah, probably. Yeah. But like, uh, <laughs> exactly. That's Tyler Hansborough, but no, I mean, and then, so we know, um, what we're going to get with Luca Garza and Jordan Bohannon is like the all-time assist leader at Iowa. So like, that's, 
not something to take lightly, I feel like. Um, and with Garza, too, is like he's someone who can play inside and out, which yeah. is like not to get too into like his NBA future, but I think that's what's going to get him a spot in an NBA team as like a role player. But I mean, that stuff is going to really, I think, dominate in the tournament. Um, and he's just, I think, I think he's so, so motivated, especially just after last year and deciding to come back, too, which I thought was a great decision. But, um, yeah, I agree with you with their defense. I mean, once they play better teams uh, and once you face guys, different big guys who can match up with guards of size, because he, he is a big, he's a big dude. But um, once we get to, like, one of my favorite teams, Illinois, like, we'll talk about Kofi and those boys. But, like, uh, just guys that have six ten, six eleven, seven foot guys who are big and mm-hmm. can like may not be able to go out and keep up with guards on the perimeter, but down low are going to be able to battle with them like well um, and I, I will say because and especially from a defensive perspective, Garza has found himself in foul trouble in some of those games this year. So mm-hmm. I do agree. I think he's got to stay on the floor because their offense runs through them. So if he can hold his own enough defensively without getting into foul trouble, I, I think that's when Iowa becomes that dangerous. But he's got to do that or else they're out in the Sweet 16. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I definitely I, – I'm with you, though. I, I do I do think they're going to play Gonzaga, and that's going to be a hell of a matchup. So um, as far as uh, – most excited to watch the like players teams like what do you besides those two we mentioned like what do you what are you looking for yeah i've got one on my radar and it's probably not on most people's radar um and admittedly this is some regional bias if you will but i think ohio university is a very interesting team and the reason i say this so initially i would have been like no they're gonna lose because they're a 13 seed going up against virginia but i was watching the bracketology or whatever that was on espn and Jay Billis actually had him go into their Sweet 16. And I was like, really? And then I looked into their schedule and their team more, and I was like, you know, it's an interesting case. So they're 16-7 and seven on the year, 9-5 and five in conference. They were the five seed in the MAC tournament. So, like, none of this makes sense. But they're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. And I do think there should be a bit of an emphasis put on how teams play going into the tournament. Because being that it's single-game elimination, and let's be real – At the five seed in the MAC conference, you're playing for your tournament bid throughout that conference. So they've been playing high-pressure games probably for the last 15 games of the season or so. So maybe they're hot at the right time. Another number I want to put out there is that they're 5-0 and in neutral settings. So, I mean, with this tournament being completely in Indianapolis, I think that bodes well for them to an extent. And they have five dudes in double figures. Their leading scorer, his name is Jason Preston. He has 17.1 point per points per game um and i'll admit i've not watched a single ou game this year um i didn't know any of their players until i looked it up but crunching the numbers and these are the weird type of teams that somehow find a way to make a run so we'll see virginia is usually a tough defensive team however other than their national championship run they have struggled in the tournament and really they got kind of lucky in a few of those games on their way to the title not to take anything away from them but I mean, they lost to UMBC a couple of years ago. Wouldn't it be uh, funnier <laughs> things have happened if Ohio upsets them? Yeah, I mean, funny enough, uh, I actually have OU in my Sweet 16. Uh, oh. And, like, yeah, so, like, I, uh, my physical therapist, I was just there. He actually went to OU. So, um, I guess Rock he's on. with that. Yeah, right on. Matt, Matt Kelly, shout out. Get my shoulder right. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think um, – I mean, I, I just, I think they're going to be Virginia. That, to me, that like 13 over four upset is just like, I don't know. It what is, uh, it's just primed to happen. And like, I don't know. Um, uh, In addition to, I, cause I, I do think it's important to recognize like when teams have been um just flowing, like going up to the tournament, like you mentioned, you mentioned nine and one in their last 10 games. Uh, 2012 was the last year they made it to the sweet 16. Um. So I just I think they're due. I think they're due. I, I think COVID concerns with Virginia, like, um, and we'll get to Kansas maybe later. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's also something not to take lightly. Is like, in terms of practice time, in terms of like health, continuity, all that stuff. Um, that really is key in March Madness. Like you you see the way the teams bond together, and like that's another reason why I think uh, to go back to Iowa really quick. Why I think they can be kind of dangerous. And honestly, same with Gonzaga is like for Iowa, like the leadership that a guy like Luca Garza brings in terms of he's been there for so long, being in that bubble 
um, is something that as college kids, you're going to need to have leadership, both in your coach, but your players, like you got to be able to stick together because I mean, they're really young. So um, I don't know. I think the COVID concerns scare me for Virginia. Oh, he's going to the sweet 16. So wouldn't that be funny if they made it further than the Buckeyes? (laughs) They become, they become Ohio's new team. Ride and die with the Bobcats. Um, <laughs> yeah, with that, and I think that should be an interesting bracket or side of the bracket, I should say. However, I do think there are some other ones that are more interesting. One of those to me would be the East region. Now, you have Michigan, who is also a one seed. Um, again, them and Illinois are the two Big Ten teams as a one seed. Jawan Howard has done a hell of a job there in his first couple of years, but I'll kind of turn it over to you with them. I mean, what do you see from this Wolverine team that – finish with the best regular season record within the big time. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to what does, what does Michigan need to do to go far without Isaiah livers? I mean, that's all anyone's talking about. So let's join the conversation. So, I mean, like uh, I think to me it's obvious and I don't know why they didn't do this at the end of the big 10 championship game, uh, not championship game, uh, semifinals, uh, like ride the big man, Hunter Dickinson, man. Like the dude's huge. Seven, one, two fifty five. Um, freshman, I mean, f- average 14, eight, one and a half steals a game. Uh, they can, and they should play through him. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know why they didn't go. Th- I understand that, um, you want to get Mike Smith the last shot. Um, not our own Mike Smith, but, uh, <laughs> different, different one, but, um, I don't know. I, I think playing through him and then committing to their defensive identity. I love Juwan Howard. He's going to get a lot of NBA interest, um, after this year and, uh, going forward, he's, I think, just an unbelievable coach. He's the perfect coach for this team. And um, I don't know, like, Franz, Va- Franz Wagner, too, uh, Mo Wagner's brother, I think, like, in terms of defensive intensity, like, his length, he's got length out the wazoo. Like, I mean, he's a catalyst for them, being able to pressure the ball, him and Mike Smith. Uh, it feels weird saying Mike Smith when uh, I'm looking at you right now. I keep thinking you're playing for Michigan, Mike. Yeah, I'm in a lot of places. <laughs> But I don't know. They're going to be vulnerable, I think, to an upset in the second or third round, especially if LSU could uh, beat St. Bonaventure. But I don't know. They have the right – definitely have the right coach. I'll say that. Um, And I know a lot of people are discounting them because they're out with Isaiah Livers, but don't be surprised. It's weird talking about a one seed, like, like, you know, like trying to defend them. But, like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they surprised some people like um, in the first couple, like not the first round, but the second or third rounds. No, I agree. I mean, they could, again, any of these one seeds I can see making it to the final four, but it never happens that they all do. Um, Yeah. You mentioned Dickinson. I mean, he leads them in points per game at 14.2. So I agree that they need to run the offense through him. Uh, Shout out to Mike Smith. Actually, I have this down. 4.4 4.4 oh I have that wrong that should be 5.4 assists per game which I believe leads the Big Ten um I don't want to beat a dead horse and we've mentioned it multiple times already but Juwan Howard really has done a hell of a job and as long as he's at that program man he's going to win a lot of recruiting battles within the area and I think he's going to coach them well so um good for Michigan to have them doing well uh Michigan's a basketball school not a football school I don't care who that pisses off it's just it's been that way for what, like 15 years now? Yeah, so, a long time, yeah. I, I, and I do believe that. They really are. Um, interesting to note, though, like they've beaten Iowa. They've beaten Ohio State, Michigan State, Minnesota. Like this is a legit team. They went 14-3 and three in conference. So I think they have the tools to do it. Uh, I, I agree with you. If they tap into what their true defensive identity is and keep that throughout the tournament, I mean – what do they say? Offense wins games, defense wins championships. So if they can disrupt some of these teams on their best offensive night, I mean, they're a good enough offensive team that you can catch them in the elite eight or the final four. So it'll be an interesting team to watch for sure. Yeah. And as far as other matchups um, that I'm excited for, like just other teams in general, um, I want to talk about BYU versus the winner of Michigan state versus UCLA, because to me, that is like one of the, I mean that that's the best play in game that I can remember like being Probably. excited for like two historic programs. Um so I'm really excited for that. I think Michigan State with Tom Izzo and I'm a big fan of Rocket Watts. So I was able to see him play when he was at um Spire in high school. Um I think they could cause some trouble and like we mentioned a little earlier is like how good is BYU because if they 
almost, I mean, they're up by double digits against Gonzaga in the, uh, in their conference title game. And how much is that like talent? How much is that familiarity with the conference? So um, I don't know. I mean, and just in general, when UCLA is like good at college basketball, it's just great for the sport just because of their history. So um, we'll see what happens with that. And then I also want to talk about quickly uh, LSU versus St. Bonaventure. So LSU, uh, that fast paced SEC ball, really fun to watch. And they have multiple guys that can put up numbers and uh, it, like Iowa, I think defense is going to be a key, but like Cam Thomas, Javante Smart, Trenton Watford, um, there's no shortage of offense. So all those guys uh, put up crazy numbers. Uh, Cam Thomas, 23 a game college basketball, which is really, really impressive. So I'm really excited to see those. No, I think those are really interesting. I have a couple teams here for you. My first is Texas. Now, this is one of those teams that I think can go really deep in the tournament. Um, I got to cut you off. I got I got to cut you off. I'm so sorry. Say what you say. say talk about Texas, and then I'm going to go on like a big like rant, like in a good way. Like I love Texas, but I had to cut you off. I'm going to. I'm so excited. Go ahead. Well, yeah, 19 and seven, 11 and six. And the Big 12 was a damn good conference this year. Probably the best it's been in a while. Um, Andrew Jones is a great story. Uh, he was battling cancer, obviously, for a while. Has come back. He's their leading points per game at 14.6. You have Matt Coleman, 13.3, and Courtney Ramey at 12.6 as well. So they got guys that can ball, guys that can score. And hey, they've beaten Texas Tech, they've beaten Oklahoma State, and they've beaten Kansas. Those three teams could also make runs in this tournament. So I just think Texas is one of those teams that's overshadowed, I think, in this tournament. And they were a top 10 ranking in the AP polls for, I think, better than half of this season. So they're a legit team. I love Shaka Smart. It's nice to see that he's finally getting some pretty good recruits there that maybe you can make this run because obviously he was great at VCU and they struggled for a couple of years when he first got to Texas. But I think he's the right man for that job. So it's good to see what's going on down there. But uh, I think those dudes can make a deep run. You ready for this? You ready? Final Texas, four? Texas not only is going to the Final Four, Texas is going to the National Championship. Mark not it supposed down. to say that yet. Book it. Dude, I don't care. We're talking about it now. I'm so excited. <laughs> Texas, I mean, am I a fan of the state? No, not by any means. But uh, in terms of their basketball program. Like, I mean, you hit it, you, you, you hit it right on. I mean, Andrew Jones talk about a great story. I mean, former McDonald's all American to, uh, I mean, beat cancer average, average 15 a game this year, Matt Coleman, uh, senior year, fresh off a 30 piece in the title game. I mean, he's going to leave it all out on the line. Greg Brown and Kai Jones, both guys that are going to be first round picks, Greg Brown, especially too. Like, He's 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 built for the league. I think in terms of his side, it's a matter if he's going to be able to put that together with skill. And um, one of my favorite players, just from watching a couple games, Jericho Sims. I mean, I love big guys in college basketball just because, like, I mean, all my favorite players are guards. But I think the way that basketball is, especially like modern now, it's rare to see a big guy like you'll be able to play through him or him impact like the way that they used to. Um, so whenever we, I see a guy like we mentioned Garza and Hunter Dickinson, but like Jericho Sims is someone that I think falls in that category. He is an absolute force, like 6'10", 245, uh, and he's developed. I think he's a senior now, but like he's someone who's developed his skill set and just his frame um, over the four years at Texas. And talk about just a lineage of great big men um, or just like, I guess, professional big men like in the league now who went to Texas. Like, uh, I'm trying to think, um, Jared Miles Allen Turner. was one. Yeah, Jared Allen, Miles, uh, Miles Turner, Jackson Hayes, who's getting some playing time now with New Orleans, Tristan Thompson, Mo Bamba. I got my Mo Bamba Texas jersey downstairs. Overrated. Um, yeah, he's got a great song, man. He's going to go It's not down. even that good. It really isn't good. What, the song? No. Uh, it was good for, like, you know, like before it got overplayed. Like, it was. <laughs> it got way overplayed. It did get overplayed, but. Nevertheless, I mean, he's part of that lineage of Texas big men. So I don't know. I, I think how how fun would a Texas Alabama uh, Sweet Sixteen matchup be? I think that could be. Um, that would that be, be fun. Good. But I got to throw you out real quick. One more team that I have my eye on, and I don't think they're going to do anything in the tournament. But shout out Georgetown. They've won seven in a row. They were Big East champion. I don't know how the hell they got in this tournament at thirteen and twelve with seven and nine, but they found a way to win that tournament. 
I think it's good for Patrick Ewing because I thought he should have been a head coach for several years now. Uh, they did beat Creighton twice, so that's kind of bizarre, but good for them. And they have Jion Blair who scored 15.8, so nothing big there. But I just had to shout them out because good for Patrick Ewing in that program and winning the biggest tournament and making it in the dance. Especially after losing John Thompson um, earlier last year too, um, like basketball icon, not just in college basketball, but um, just in sports in general. So. Um, I think for them, if they can make a run or at least win one game, I think that would be awesome just for the program. Hoya Nation off the walls backing you. Unless yeah. you play the Tar Heels, I can't do that morally. <laughs> um, speaking of the Tar Heels, we'll actually move to the South region in which they're playing. And I, to me, this is the most interesting side of the bracket. I think there's a lot of interesting teams here. Of course, we'll start with Baylor, the number one seed. Um, overall, I believe, number two seed. 22 and 2 on the season, 13 and 1 in conference. Um, I mean, shoot, them and Gonzaga were up there almost all year uh, at 1 and 2. So they've been consistent. They've got a great bunch of dudes. Uh, they're turning that into a basketball program and a great one at that. So what do you got for me on Baylor? Yeah, I think the consistency is really cool to see. Um, not just this year, but over the last several years. Like you mentioned, like turning it into a basketball program. So. Last year, they won 23 in a row, um, I think, like before, obviously, the shutdown and everything. So uh, a couple great seasons, and um, I think more importantly is building off of last year, like guys are back, um, like that continuity is there. So like uh, Davion Mitchell's a junior, Jared Butler's a junior, uh, Messi Teague is a senior. So all those guys average double figures and shoot near 50% as guards, which is pretty incredible. So um, I don't know. I mean – I don't really see anyone in that region um, other than Ohio State being a legit threat. Sorry, I know you love your Tar Heels, but oh, um, just do what. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so here's here's the thing too. Like, side note, anything we say means literally nothing because like anything could happen in March. Like, no pick is a bad pick. So um, that that's what I love so much about this tournament is like basketball knowledge, or if people think they have basketball knowledge, like literally means nothing because anything can happen, which is which is why it's awesome. But um yeah i don't know i mean like yeah i I think i think um i think it can kill you from multiple ways uh but yeah i don't know they're definitely i don't know why i feel like they're kind of like an under the radar one seed like i thought that for a little bit but then i was looking at like different predictions online and like a lot of people actually have them going pretty far so yeah no reasonably so they're pretty good no and i think they're a defensively stout team that's what sticks out for me um I mean, shoot, Jared Butler, 17.1 points per game. Masio Teague, and I may have screwed that up, 16.2 points per game. And then Davion Mitchell at 14.1. So they have do, like multiple guys that can put buckets on uh, opposing teams. They've played a legit schedule. They beat Illinois, Texas, Kansas, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Like That is about as good as it gets from a scheduling standpoint. So – would I be shocked if they got there? No, but I, I will say this. We brought up the Tar Heels, and if they both win in the first round, I think North Carolina is going to absolutely stomp the brakes off Wisconsin. Um, it, I think Baylor's the favorite, and my mind's telling me that they will win. My heart's saying otherwise. I always have to root for my team. But what I do want to say about North Carolina that's interesting, I think they have the biggest upset run potential in the tournament. They finished 18-10 and 10 on the season, 10-6 and 6 in conference. They have a wider range of scoring. Um, Armando Baycott is their number one scorer at 12.9 points per game. But they've got Caleb Love at 10.5, Garrison Brooks at 10.1, uh, Dayron Sharp at 9.7, RJ Davis at 8.6, and Kerwin Walton at 8.2. He's a great three-point shooter as well. And it was interesting because I was watching the broadcast the other night, and um, I believe it was Jay Billis actually said that Roy Williams said that if this team sticks together – I mean, the things that they could do are crazy. And they have some guys with NBA potential, so we'll see. And I never fault a kid for going to the league. But, man, I, I know probably Baylor will beat them. But looking down the line, if they stay together, I mean, dude, this team could be legit for the next couple of years. So I just wanted to say um, I don't think it'll happen. I hope it does, but it could happen. They're 5-2 and two in neutral sites. And then for me, the one team – that's really interesting outside of them in this bracket is Ohio State. I saw a tweet the other day and it said they could get bounced in the first round or make it to the final four. And I think that's a very true tweet, actually. Um, 
They're a bizarre team, to be honest, Andrew, because they got through that hot stretch in the middle of the Big Ten Conference, and we're like, are they the best team in the Big Ten? And then they finished 12-8, and eight, and it's like, what the heck? So you have Dwayne Johnson, or Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Dwayne Washington, who's got 16.3 points per game. EJ Lydell at 15.9. Um, shout out Kyle Young, because he went to my high school, not that he knew who the hell that I was. But uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he plays. He's been dealing with a concussion, I believe it is. Uh, they can strap from three when they're hot, but they're a really streaky team. So if they're streaking right, then I guess they could make a run. But they've beaten Illinois, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Iowa, and they've also lost the teams they shouldn't have lost to. So for me, Ohio State's probably the most interesting team on that side of the bracket in terms of what they could do. I think that's a really – that puts you in a tough position from a filling out your bracket standpoint. But, um, yeah, those are my two teams outside of Baylor to watch for. Yeah, I think uh, with Ohio State um... – when they lost like those four in a row, but then ended up, uh, I mean, making it to the Big Ten title game and losing against uh, Illinois, like there is some inconsistency, especially like when they almost lost against Michigan. Um, I mean, talk about a collapse, but uh, I mean, they made it out alive. And I think Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Washington, not Dwayne Johnson, uh, although I wish that was, <laughs> that was true. Wouldn't that be um, something? He probably, yeah. I, does he have years of eligibility? He only played football. <laughs> He played. Uh, he played college football. I know that before yeah. going to the WWE, but um, we'll see if he makes a return to Ohio State. <laughs> but anyways, Dwayne Washington. I, I mean, he's dude's a walking bucket. I mean, he can get hot in a matter of seconds. Um, Big Ten title game rec- uh, broke. I think Evan Turner's record for most points uh, in a uh, Big Ten championship game. Dropped thirty two. Uh, bad and, name to pass. Yeah, Evan Turner. <laughs> but you weren't expecting a. Uh, I've been turning to mention this episode. But, DJ Raji will drop his name in. Remember oh, when did that a few episodes episode. ago? <laughs> DJ Raji. Well, anyways, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, uh, his birthday is a week from today, too, so uh, I guess that means something. But uh, I don't know. I think um, we know what EJ Liddell is going to bring, like you mentioned. Kyle Young, shout out uh, Jackson High School, your high school. Um him being healthy is, I think, is going to be huge. Just because, um, I think where Ohio State can struggle is when they get to those different teams that can also, like, not also, but like different teams that are going to cause them trouble down low. Especially, like, I think we saw that with um, uh, Kofi Cokeburn in uh, Illinois and uh, like Luca Garza to an extent. So, and Hunter Dickinson, um, if they went to him, who knows what would have happened at the end of that Michigan Ohio State game, but. Cal Young will give him some size, uh, neutralize more aggressive teams. But for me, their X factor is actually CJ Walker. I think with him finally being healthy, uh, he's just instant offense off the bench. And he's going to take some of that burden off Dwayne Washington with uh, providing some offense. And I want to get to just two in this region of, uh, while we wrap it up, just two players that I'm really excited to watch. Uh, one of them, and it kind of goes with the team, I guess, too, is Mac McClung, Texas Tech. Uh, Ooh, yeah. I, I think watch out for a sweet 16 run from Texas Tech because uh, if they if they get on a run, I think Mac McClung's going to be at the center of it. And I mean, transfer from Georgetown um, to Texas Tech now, someone who was like a really high profile guy in high school, uh, one of the OG, not not OG, but one of the uh, cool high school mixtape guys, the Ball's Life, Hoop mixtape, all that stuff. Got to pay homage to him, but. Um, he's a good example, similar to Alabama's Javon Quinterly, um, in the, the different side of the bracket, but where fit is really important, I think, and it gets overlooked sometimes with guys that are like high touted prospects, especially when they're younger. Um, so anyways, yeah, I think, uh, t- Texas Tech, they lost a bunch of single digit overtime games against some really good teams in a really good conference. So him and then also really quick Trey Mann, uh, Florida. So oh, yeah, uh, yeah, dude's got a sweet handle. Uh, uh, he can score from anywhere. Um, sixteen six, uh, sixteen and six, and forty uh, percent from from three this year. So um, those are two guys that I'm really really excited to see what they do with their teams. People forget too. Texas Tech made it to the championship game against Virginia a couple of years ago. Like yeah. <laughs> that is a program that's had some success the last few years. mm Hmm. Yeah, it'll be exciting. They they definitely have that mindset, I guess. You know, like they they got they got the makings of a March Madness team. I feel like. Oh, for sure, and they've beaten some quality teams along the way so far. Now, as we go to the Midwest region, Illinois is the number one seed there again. They're the second Big Ten team. That's the number one seed. 
They've won seven in a row entering the tournament after defeating Ohio State in overtime in that Big Ten championship game you mentioned. 23 and 6 overall, 16 and 4 in a damn good conference. And I love the ACC, but I'll give the Big Ten props when it's due. They were the best basketball conference this year. Um, but yeah, Illinois is a really interesting team, and I'll let you hit on them before we get to a couple others. Yeah, Illinois is next to Texas, is my favorite team in the entire tournament. Um, I just love. I love a good two-man game with like a point guard and his big. Like uh, maybe it's just kind of like the guard in me speaking from playing basketball. But like with Io Desumu and uh, Kofi Cokeburn, I mean, I Cockburn. was Cockburn. Cockburn. Awesome last name. It is great. I, I think it's Cokeburn though. <laughs> but anyways, like Io Desumu, it was named USA Today Player of the Year, and um, while a lot of people would have given it to Garza or um, Corey Kispert, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm kind of glad Desumu got it. I, he he's just a beast. Just he's awesome. Just all around, twenty-one six and five. Had two triple doubles in February. He does literally everything, uh, which can't be on both ends. I mean, he's a, he's a tough tough defender, and uh, he's going to give it to you offensively too, and just be the leader of that team. And uh, what's cool is he came back uh, for his junior year to develop, which in the in an era where so many guys are leaving early to go to the league, which not faulting them at all, but like sometimes you need that year to develop. Um, I think props to him because he's really taken a big jump. So uh, 6'5", 200 pounds, he's great size for a point guard too. He's from Chicago. Uh, the mask he wears now from coming back from that injury makes him look like a superhero. I mean, what's not to like? Uh, I'm really rooting for him. Kofi Cokeburn, maybe the most dominant big man in the entire country. Not skilled, but just straight up dominant. Um, seven foot two eighty five. Very few people are going to be able to match up with him. He gave it to Luca Garza when they played in the tournament. Um, and he's he's a double double threat on a nightly basis. Really efficient, and then just some good guard play too with Andre Curbelo as a freshman. Trent Frazier put up twenty two against Michigan, which they blew out by the way, um, earlier in the season. So the only weakness is they don't really have that many wings, like bigger wings, but their guard plays insane and. Uh, Kofi Coburn can stay out of foul trouble. They're going to be hard to beat, man. Um, so, yeah, I love Illinois. No, they're probably my favorite team at this point in the tournament. Honestly, I know Gonzaga's the favorite, but the way they've been playing lately. I mean, you mentioned Io Desunmu. I'm so bad with names. Um, no, I think you 20- got it, actually. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to keep like a counter in the bottom corner once we yeah. get video and just like how many times I slip up someone's name. Oh, but no, 20.7 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, and 5.3 assists. I completely agree with you that he should have won Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, I, I think they're the most interesting number one seed, not to take anything away from the other three teams we talked about, but like to me, they're the most fun to watch. Um, I mean, you mentioned it already. They have the dynamics of a team that can go deep. Good guard play, a solid big, and they can shoot. So... I mean, with that, why not? And they've beaten Iowa. They've beaten Ohio State, Duke, at Duke. And I know they didn't make the tournament this year, but to do that, like how many times does Coach K lose in that arena, let alone – or well, it's not an arena. It's like a high school gym. <laughs> but uh, especially out of conference, it almost never happened. So that was impressive in of itself. And then they've beaten also Rutgers in Michigan. So for me, Illinois is the most interesting one seed. There are a couple teams I'd like to shout out here before we get to our final four picks. One would be Oklahoma State. Uh, For some reason, I thought that they were suspended this year from the tournament, and then I realized that they are actually a five seed. So, yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) But now that I know that, they're 20-8, and 11-7 and in conference. Uh, Cade Cunningham makes them so interesting. I mean, 20.2 points per game. He's going to go to the league. Um, him and Avery Anderson, who are at 11.7, are the only two on that team in double figures and points. <laughs> but I still think they can make a deep run. They've beaten Marquette, Wichita State, Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas. So an interesting team. And real quick, I have to shout out the Horizon League champs, Cleveland State Vikings. Yes. 19-7 <laughs> overall, but 17-4 and in conference. It's awesome to see them win, especially because – Two years ago in the summer, they lost their coach like really late in the process when you normally wouldn't want to lose him to another school. Uh, a lot of kids, because of that, transferred. And they barely put together a roster last year. Like It was hard for them just to do that. So now they're in the Horizon League tournament winning the whole dang thing, and they're in the big dance. It's just awesome to see. So 
that's sweet. They've beaten Oakland and Wright State. I know those aren't big teams, but at their level, they're fairly big. And then they played OSU really close early in the season. So awesome to see them. Shout out to Carrie Neville who and Tyler Jones, who both work in their athletic department. I've worked under Carrie, or volunteered, I should say. And then Tyler's actually one of the NBA teachers here. So shout out to them. Um, I'll always root for Cleveland State when they're not playing one of my teams. But uh, that was really cool to see for me. Yeah, definitely. Let's stick with Cleveland State for a second because uh, you mentioned, I mean, they they literally, they almost lost their basketball program not too long ago. Um, and to now be in the tournament <laughs> is awesome. I mean, that's that's incredible. But, like, yeah. uh, um, you, you're going to laugh at me, but that's my upset pick from this region, man. Houston Cougars, watch out. I Cleveland would love State it. Vikings, Cleveland State Vikings, uh, it's been 35 years since Mouse McFadden led them to the, uh, I think, Sweet 16 as a 14 seed. And they're one of, I don't remember how many teams it was, like uh, to win a game as a 13 seed, a 14 seed. And if they win it as a 15 seed this year, they'll join, um, I don't remember who it, is, who it was, but they'll, they'll be one of two teams to have won a game in the tournament as a 13, 14, and 15 seed. Sounds so, like fate. It sounds sounds like fate. So uh, we'll be rooting for them. And then I really want to mention one more team too as we clo- as we get to our final four picks. Um, I really wish that they were not uh, in the same, not just the same region, but the same kind of um, upper division as Illinois because I like like Illinois a lot. Um, Georgia Tech, shout Ooh, out Georgia Tech. Um, uh, I think they're a dark horse where if they could beat Illinois, that's a big if, I know, but if they could, I think they have a legit shot to go to the Elite Eight. Um, I think their coach, Josh Passner, he – he reminds me of like a youth pastor. It's kind of hard to describe. Like he reminds me with like really positive energy. And I think it's awesome. And like Jose Alvarado too, to see him in the uh, ACC title game. I would follow that guy into war. Like his intensity is unmatched. And he's one of those guys that I feel like other teams are lucky that he's only six feet tall because he could do everything on both sides. He could shoot it. He averaged three steals a game for a guard, which is crazy. And he had five against uh, Florida state. And um, man, I don't know. And then you got Moses Wright too, uh, ACC player of the year. So like, this is a team that we talk about being hot and like riding that hot streak. I mean, they're, they're about, they got it going as well as anybody right now. So um, they would, I mean, if they play Illinois, um, they're going to struggle against uh, Kofi Cokeburn because of the size. They don't really have anyone to match up with him, but um, man, I would love to see them go on a run. I think that would be such a good story. So, Georgia Tech. It would be. Got to love yeah. their coach, too. I feel like your goal, if you're one of those schools, you got to get their big into foul trouble early. Mm, yeah. Take a charge, get a blocking call. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. that that would be, I don't, there's always one or two teams that will make the Sweet 16 that we're going to be like everyone's rooting for. So, hopefully, mm-hmm. it is Cleveland State. Um, cause I, dude, I like, <laughs> what if they just won the whole thing? I'd go to that parade. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes away from where we're at. <laughs> right. I mean, shoot. It would be bigger than the Cavs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> fun fact for those of you that don't know this, they play in a different arena than the Cavs. We have a whole separate yep. arena in downtown Cleveland for Cleveland State. Wolfstein Center. It's nice. Yep. It's, it's it very is nice. nice. They have concerts there and high school tournaments. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great transition here. As we go to now our final four <laughs> predictions, um, who do you got? You kind of hinted. Well, you didn't even hint at them earlier. You kind of gave us a couple. But who are your final four picks that you have coming out of each region? Yeah, I was super subtle with Texas earlier. So, <laughs> um, I think yeah, you've been pretty subtle with Illinois too. Illinois, yeah, I wasn't really dropping any bombs. I don't. Think. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously I got out of the East, Texas, Midwest, Illinois. Um, out of the West. I have Gonzaga, but like I won't be surprised if Iowa does anything. Um, I feel like they're the only team, though, in that region that um, causes concern for Gonzaga, I guess. Um, but I don't know. And then in the South, in the South, I'll roll with Ohio State just because I we talk about good guard play, and they got a they got a couple good wings too. Their size still concerns me, like in terms of. Once, if they get to the final four, or even if, like to the elite eight, uh, how they're going to handle um, just bigger guys down low. I mean, you you kind of you mentioned like getting them in foul trouble or something would help, but I don't know. Dwayne Washington just strikes me as a guy who, once he gets going, like 
you could just ride him throughout the tournament. Um, and CJ Walker, what he brings, and if Kyle Young can get healthy, and EJ Liddell on them. So, yeah, those those are my four: uh, Gonzaga, Texas, Ohio State, and Illinois. And your final four or your championship game was Illinois and Texas, right? Illinois and Texas, yeah. So, are you gonna give us a winner? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really filled out my bracket like fully, just because I know I know you're along the same lines as this. I really want to wait for like the playing games, just because I want like Michigan State, UCLA, and that Wichita State game. I think they're playing Drake, uh, but yeah. So, and I could see other no, those teams upsetting too. Yeah, especially um, Michigan State. I like, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely gonna go through like this is everything I've said is kind of just my initial thoughts, so I'm gonna go through it. But I guess if I'm sticking with out of those two teams, I would probably go Illinois. I just – I think Io DeSumo is a guy who can do everything like that and then just the energy they play with on both both ends and Co- like Kofi Cokeburn, if he can stay out of foul trouble. I don't know anyone that's going to stop him uh, down low. So I'll go Illinois, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? Well, maybe I'll listen to this like a week from today and be like, damn, it wasn't even close. <laughs> so, All four we'll, teams we'll are out. Yeah, all four teams losing the first round. But what about you? Who do you got? I got Gonzaga coming out of the West. Although um, I agree, I, I can see Iowa is the team that would upset them because I think they can hang with them when they're going well on scoring. I actually did have Texas in my Final Four as well. We must have three of the same teams. I had Illinois, and then um, UNC is going to upset Baylor and just make a run, man. I, I think they've grown a lot over this season, and uh, we're going to do it. We're bringing the championship back to Chapel Hill where it belongs. Who do you have? So you have them not only the Final Four, but they're they're going. Give all me the way. UNC. Give me Gonzaga rematch of I believe the 2017 national championship game. Mm-hmm. Mark Few, you're still not going to have a championship because uh, Roy <laughs> Williams is winning his final one and then retiring on top. Oh, you do you, okay. Actual question: you, you think he, if they were to go on a run like that, do you think he would call it like after this year? Because they won't actually do this. Yeah, I think what, so. Well, they I might said because they won't know. actually. Well, because think about this too: if those players win a championship, then that for me that would give me more incentive to go to the league because you already did what you wanted to do anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you might need to stay and develop for another year, so. I think if it were to happen, yes. I, here's my theory. I think um, when you're talking about the Tobacco Road rivalry in Duke and North Carolina, I think Coach K has somewhere between three and four years left, and that might be on the high end. I think Roy Williams is in the same boat. Here's the difference. I think when Roy Williams leaves, UNC has had great coaches before him. I think that program is still stable enough that if they find the right guy, they will continue to compete before Shasetsky, like Duke was not that great. And I know he's been there for four decades. So like their brand has taken a complete overhaul, but I don't know, man. Like if I was a Duke fan, I would be worried because once he's gone, I just don't know because I think for college athletes, there's less of an appeal from an everything standpoint when you're talking about Duke versus UNC. Um, and basketball is what they have as far as athletics. I mean, Lord knows their football team isn't great. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's For both of them, I think it's a really interesting dynamic. It'll be interesting once they retire. It's going to suck to not see them on the um, side of the court anymore. But it's going to be really interesting to see who their replacement is and if both of those brands live up to what they've been for. I mean, for UNC since Dean Smith was there. I mean, it's been 40 years or so now. So. Yeah, I think the Coach K, um, excuse me, your your point about Coach K is interesting because, like, on one hand, like, yeah, pre-Coach K era, like, they, I mean, they weren't anywhere close to, I mean, he built that entire program. So I think it's a different, it's a different dynamic because on one hand, I think he's such a basketball genius that he would have someone in place um, and kind of groom them a little bit, you know, because of all that he's done with the university. But then on the other hand, like he is that a huge appeal of what Duke basketball is, especially recruitment wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also look like I'm playing the like devil's advocate with myself. It's weird, but like you look at like in a lot of the recent talent, like high prospects that they've had from like RJ Barrett and Zion all the way back to like early 2010s with Kyrie um, and just throughout that program, like Jason Tatum, all those guys. So guys who are relevant in the league now who might draw appeal for recruits like going forward, so, 
I don't know. It uh that'll that'll be that'll be cool. I mean, it'll be sad, obviously, to see like two of the best coaches of all time like not going up against each other, but it could be interesting to see um how the programs pan out. We'll see which is more of a brand. I think with UNC as great as Dean Smith and Roy Williams are, they are the brand. I think with Duke, if I had to guess, and we'll, we the only answer to this is after he leaves, I think Coach K is actually the brand. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we we were we were at Duke uh, for the for our trip. Um, it's a beautiful campus. I mean, I hate their yeah. basketball team, but it's a beautiful campus. Yeah. <laughs> like Cameron Doris just got that. Oh, like you have to. Too, if yeah. you're a sports fan at all, you have to watch a game in there. It is a high school gymnasium, but a historical one. So. But like, it, how historical do you think it would be if Coach K was never there? And that's a huge if, and like a lot. No, of I think that that's a very fair point. It wouldn't be. Yeah, because like they wouldn't. I mean, who knows how much they would have won? So like, it probably would have been like, why the hell do we still have this freaking yeah. like three thousand seater? <laughs> it's twenty twenty one. Let's go build oh, up like the point. conservatory or something. Like, let's let's go invest in other parts of the campus. <laughs> well, you know it's crazy too because that's all wood. And a friend of the show, Robbie Becker, and I were talking when we went there a couple of years ago, and we were like. Like if this place catches on fire anyway, like everyone's done for. Like <laughs> it's all wood. It, it literally is. So, yeah, that'd be the end of Coach K. <laughs> In a, a bit of a dark turn, but um, that, <laughs> I, I I think that's about uh, all we're going to talk about with college hoops today. Um, March Madness is upon us, like we mentioned. So that might be us- one of our better show endings, folks. Yeah, uh, that might be one of the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> so um have fun go watch some basketball uh go get a perfect bracket you could be the one this year who knows uh but as always um i mean thanks for listening and uh we'll we'll talk to, talk to everyone talk to you soon